What's up and welcome into the Lead Block. Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? I am super excited. This is probably the most excited I've ever been to do a podcast. Matthew's Matthew's hyped up in the studio as soon as he walked in. So first time being here on a Monday in a few weeks, right? Yeah. It's been like three weeks. It's good. Nice to get back in the little groove. Record on the Sunday afternoon. Back to the basics. XFL on the TV today. No NFL. We'll talk about a little bit of that uh, later in the show. Um, but we're going to start right where we... Actually, before we start, go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Uh, go follow Matthew at Matt, the chosen one with the number one and myself at Tyler Walter CNR on Twitter. Um, and we'll start where we left off Friday with Jordan Birch. So obviously we record the day before the episode comes out. Uh, <laughs> we get in here... Thursday night, Thursday evening, talk about Jordan Birch, like, not signing, and, uh, you know, what is he doing or whatever. We leave the studio. I get home. What do I see? Jordan Birch just signed his national letter of intent. Like, yep. officially. Excuse me. I saw the, uh, the Spurs up boom from Muschamp, and I was like, ah, damn, he just signed, and, like, we just recorded but well, it's kind of funny, I, uh, I ran into, we were talking about this before the show, but we ran into Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show uh, the other night at lacrosse game, Cox Cross game, and he was saying he did the same thing, so he recorded Thursday night right before <laughs> it dropped, and I don't know if he went back and re-recorded it or what, but uh, yeah, that that just that happens with, with podcasts, just it being you know a pre-recorded show, but we will talk about him actually signing his national letter of intent. It is a huge move. For big get for Muschamp, like it's the school's second best recruit of all time, other than Clowney. Yeah, were they in the, the some sort of theater at the football facility? I don't know if y'all saw the post that they put. That's on um, football. Yeah, so they posted South Carolina football posted this reaction video of all the coaches. Yeah. In the room you're talking about, that is the I'm pretty sure that's a defensive team meeting room. Yeah. Which is where they do all media like press. That's where Muschamp's press conferences is. That room is unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, they posted, a like, a reaction video. The coaches in there going crazy because they got Birch. I think that's weird. Do you think it's weird? I don't think it's weird that they're going crazy. I think it's weird that they're publicizing it. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It's like, a, well, I guess they're just super excited, but it's like all y'all in this room and chitting around, and he's like. And also, when what were they reacting to? Was it when the it paper was, came yeah, in? It, yep. Okay, gotcha. So you. it was like the official, like, they actually found out, like, they got Birch. And us champs just sitting up front, like, doesn't move the whole time. Yeah, that's what I noticed that, too. It's like anything. everybody else is kind of, like, jumping up and down, and he's just sitting there. But I forgot who the other lady was. But why would you think that was weird? I I mean, I think it's weird for me now because we haven't seen it. And Missouri football did the same thing the other day with Eli Trinkwitz, their new coach from App State. Yep. He got a pretty good recruit. And he starts going crazy when the guy calls him. It's like, hey, coach, I just signed the letter of intent. Like, it's on the way over now. And he's on the phone with their crew. And he hangs up, and he just freaks out, starts going <laughs> crazy. And they had a camera on him. And it was just Drinkwitz, like, in his office or in a team, like, meeting room or whatever. And, like, it was the same kind of thing. Like, it's just strange to see that these coaches going so crazy. But I kind of, from the Drinkwitz perspective, I think he's just a weird guy. Yeah. And, like, I don't, like, it's just weird that they, and, like, it, I would think they're celebrating these things, but it's weird now that we see it. Yeah. Like, on, like, and they publicize it on social media. 
Um, so I'm sure next year, you know, we saw a couple this year of those. Next year, every college will have every recruit, the reaction from every side of the table. Yeah. I mean, you see that for the draft, and now it's kind of leaking down to... Yeah, you kind of hit on what I was about to say. A, it's like a trend, especially in social media. You see one school doing it, and everybody does it. Also, it's kind of funny because it's like the whole coaching staff is super excited, and then flip that around you go to NFL draft all the families are that excited yep. and it's just kind of like so that's how it works I mean so. the draft reactions are incredible like they get a little too much sometimes like because they'll have the 873rd pick like his family's reaction <laughs> and that one's weird they're just like alright cool like I got I got drafted like obviously I'm excited but the kid just always like hugs his parents and then he's good like <laughs> he's I- just going about like the, the top 10 like yeah, it's pretty cool to see those guys. But, like, this, the weird thing with, uh, who was that, Will Greer last year? Expected to go in, like, the second, first, second round, and he ended up going way later. So ESPN is just, like, sitting at his house. like That is the most odd thing. As a matter of fact, I heard an NFL offensive lineman say, it's like, uh, they asked him, is he having a draft party? No, is he coming to the combine? He's like, no, nah, it's, it's a free reality TV show. For like ESPN yeah. and stuff like that, because they don't pay them, and so it's like they're, they're and those cameras aren't just sitting in your house for no reason. They're recording you, and it's like they're sitting you cry, maybe walk to the other room and be upset and stuff like that. So yeah, I, after he said that, I was like, ooh. Yeah, just having like the cameras on in your house and stuff, and like they're not paying you for that. No, they yeah. are not. You're inviting them in your house, probably give them some of your food. You know, something house. The draft stuff is weird. It's it's cool, but it's it goes too far sometimes. Like, yeah, it's cool and like. Like, when you see, like, a kid who has been, like, you know he's going to be top ten, and you get the underdog kind of story, and, like, him and his mom just break down. Yeah. Like, every time, and his dad's in the background, like, either going nuts or he's breaking down, too. Yeah. And there's always the uncle at the table who was just, like, standing on the table screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, boy! And then I think there was a guy from Buffalo, because Jordan Palmer and those guys had a a quarterback. Jesse Palmer? Yeah. No, no, I think it was... uh, I think it was Jordan uh, Carson Palmer's brother. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Palmer. He they did this little quarterback thing with ESPN. We were breaking down the quarterbacks in the draft, and then so they had the cameras there, and the guy ended up going undrafted. Yeah, and so it's like the cameras are here, and you go undrafted like that's like you don't even really want to deal with that yourself. Nevertheless, we're putting this on ESPN Plus, which is only like five nine nine a month. Shout out to ESPN Plus, and so it's like now everybody's watching you like go through all these emotions, your most disappointing times of your life. Yeah, pisses me off about ESPN Plus is all the stuff they put on there. I used to be able to watch for free on yeah. ESPN three or ESPN.com, and now I can't. They just took it from me. Uh, but yeah, big get for South Carolina and Jordan Birch. I mean, huge biggest biggest recruit since Clowney. Uh, he looks, we think he's going to wear number seven, yep. which would be weird. Does anyone have seven right now? Did Didn't Robinson Joyner have seven? Oh, no, on, on defense. Didn't Robinson have seven last yeah, year? Yeah, if I'm imagining correctly, they probably asked him would he mind like going to a different number. Maybe if he had a different number in high school or something like that, it's like so we can get this guy. Also, I mean, that that happens like all the time. Guys just don't get their numbers. You don't get your number until your senior year Yeah, because you, there's so many people in football. Like Tebow, Tebow's only 15 because five wasn't available. <laughs> like I don't know if you ever heard that story. Like when he was at Florida, like when he was at, what was it, McNeese or Nice uh, in, in Florida, his high school and all, he was always number five in every sport. And then when he got to Florida, five was taken by someone. Was it Percy Harvin or he were one? Percy wore one. Percy wore a couple different numbers. Okay. Percy wore one. And, um, yeah, five was taken, so he took 15, and then he just stuck with 15. A lot of guys will just change their number. Yeah. Like Bentley did it. Bentley had four his first year, and then he went back to he went to 19. He did go to 19. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but Birch wears seven, it'll be huge on the defensive line. I love defensive line wearing single-digit numbers. Like, Ken Law, like, a guy that big should not be wearing one digit on his chest. <laughs> it's, it's extremely intimidating. Yeah. Uh, but we just want to talk about that for a second since everything happened weird Friday because you listen to the show Friday. It's obviously... It was different than what you would have expected our reaction to be. Yeah. You wouldn't expect our reaction to be like, what the hell, when he already signed. Um, but we're going to get into a little bit crazier news. This is breaking news. This is breaking news on the lead block. This is why I was ready to do this podcast at like like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock for church. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so before we before we say what it is, this, this year has probably been the craziest news cycle for South Carolina. You followed... All like obviously you have the game. So like outside of the on field product and the stories that happen on the field, everything going on with Muschamp and him getting fired all season. Then at the end of the year, you're like, who's gonna get fired? Who's getting demoted? Coaching changes, coaching hires. At South Carolina, you're getting an overhaul. The weird thing with the fitness coach. Um, why is the fitness coach being fired? Even does anyone even care? And and then. Uh, like the Holinsky injury news, remember that? Like right yeah. after thing, like just a bunch of weird stories, and then right when it quiets down, it picks back up. And this is just the way it's been for like the last four or five months here in Columbia. Is like something you'll hear something weird in South Carolina. Give it a week, something weird. Like last week, we get Birch not signing the National Letter, of the <laughs> and then he does, and then I mean that's a story that happened for quite a while, and then Sunday, today you sent me. So yesterday, as you're listening to this. Uh, you sent me a Mike Gillespie. Mike Gillespie from ABC's. He does tweet. a really good job. Oh yeah, Gillespie does great. He's one of the best. Like, he's probably the best breaking reporter at South Carolina. I agree. At, at covering South Carolina sports. Um, the South Carolina coaching staff is losing three guys: Brian McClendon, John, ahead, John yeah. Scott, defensive line coach. He's the least known name on this uh, list, and Thomas Brown, the running backs coach, who we've been praising for months on the lead block with his running room. Yeah, okay, so Brian McClendon is probably going to the Steelers. I think they had an interim uh, wide receivers coach last year. Not not 100% sure about that. But the Steelers, the, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Thomas Brown is going to the job with the Rams. So you have two guys going on to the NFL level. Very weird that Brian McClendon got demoted, but then like he got demoted and he gets go to the NFL, but that is how that happens. And then John Scott is going to get a good he's gonna get a good raise and he's gonna have a yeah, multi year deal at Penn State. He's going up two hundred K a year to go coach. Do the same job. He's gonna coach defensive line there at Penn State too. And I'm sure the what was told to him at Penn State was like, You're gonna get the two hundred, but like we wanna move you up yeah. in the next couple of years. Like we want you to be our defensive coordinator in two years or whatnot. You know, I'm sure that's part of it. There's a growth plan. Versus here at South Carolina, you're probably not gonna be the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Right now, like there's there's a few guys in front of you. Uh, also, do you did you watch the Penn State two forty seven football thing? Uh, on it, on um, HBO. Yeah. I th- no, I didn't watch the Penn State one. I don't think. Is I think it, I watched like half of it. It's interesting because that defensive line coach there is like one of their key guys on James Franklin's staff. So I guess he must have moved on or something like that. But yeah, I was shocked to see that John Scott. So he did one year at USC, one year at Arkansas. Now he's heading to Penn State. But since it's been a multi-year deal, I'm sure he'll be happy, you know, to be there for a little while. Yeah. The Thomas Brown one, I think that that's see, the one that really hits, right? So Scott was Scott hurts because you just had a great defensive line year, and now you're you've got he's got a guy going to go top ten in the draft off of his defensive line this past year. Who yep. Kenlaw improved his draft stock astronomically this past year. Yeah, like he's always had the talent, 
but his play level just escalated so quickly this year. Um, so that he's now Scott's moving on, and that's a little bit of a hit. Uh, and then, but Thomas Brown is the one that I think is the biggest hit to this coaching staff because the one piece of the puzzle this last year that seemed to work for South Carolina's offense, the running backs themselves always were good. Yeah, you could plug them really pretty much any one of them in for the most part until like the back end of the year, and they'd be successful. So, yeah, he's going to the Rams, I guess, to go work with Todd Gurley unless they end up trading him. But I know he's excited to go out there to L.A., but it's just like, wow. Also, That was the he, shocker to me. McClendon didn't shock me Yeah, because he just got demoted, and if you get a job at the NFL level, like, you have are you going to take that? And it's the same with Brown. Like, I, it, it doesn't shock me that he left um, because he got offered that job, but it was shocking that, like, he was even on the forefront to leave, like, looking. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like McClendon was, was – his agent was probably looking Definitely. for other places for him to go and try to be successful because it just didn't work out here at South Carolina for him. It, it's – but, like, here's where we get real weird is now Brown leaves. You just brought in the number one Juco running back. Yes, you yes. You just brought in Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, John Scott leaves. You, you, you literally just signed Jordan Birch. Like, look, let me pause right here. This is the thing that was getting me. It's like, wait, you literally just signed him, and it seems like Muschamp did a lot of Birch recruiting, but obviously he's not going to go to a school he doesn't like the defensive line coach. And it's like as soon as that happened, Coach O was probably like, yep. Like, it's like, I try, I didn't, obviously I didn't try to tell you, but it's like, wow, look at how they did you there. It's, it's and stability. Just, and for all of these guys, it's like recruiting, it's like, they just signed, obviously, you have the two signing days. They had two signing days go by, and you're committed to this coaching staff, and three of these guys are out. And another thing on top of that is spring practice is about a month away. It's February, I think, 26, 27, something like that, about 17 days away, and you don't even know who your position coach is going to be. Yep. And it's like it's one thing to do this in December, and Carolina didn't even have a uh, – they didn't even play in the bowl game. So it's like this, obviously, they're waiting on some things to, like, clear up. So my guess here is, I'm going to stop you where you're talking about that, what spring ball is. Yeah. And I think we will get an announcement by Tuesday. Yeah. At the latest of who those who are going to fill those position coaches and roles here at South Carolina. I think Muschamp has known, the staff has known that these three guys are leaving. Yeah. I think he's known that for at least, you know, two or three weeks. But I think the thought process was let, allow these coaches to finish their recruiting season, yeah. sign these guys, and then basically screw over their recruits, <laughs> just dump them, and, and go on about your day. I mean, credit to those three guys, loyalty to Muschamp, but to the kids that they just brought in, like, what do you think? Do you think these kids should be allowed to basically toss that in letter of intent and just reopen their recruiting? I struggle with this. This is the prime example. And I know everybody's like, whatever, but this is the prime example. They say you better like the school that you're going to, yes. not just athletics, because it's like literally. And then think about it, a lot of these coaches come in, they want their guys. Yeah. Like very few guys like Urban Meyer who's like, hey, we're going to take who we get, who we have, we're going to make the best of them. It's like, okay, we got these guys, I'm going to recruit my next guy in. And then once he gets here, you'll go to the back of the line because you're not necessarily one of the guys of my preference. But, yeah, I hate it. It really – but then when I see stuff like this, it's like, okay, the transfer portals, I can live with it. Because it's like that's the only thing like the athlete kind of has working to their advantage. Because it's like 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 I ended like I just said, you might be have a position coach that you knew nothing about, or maybe you chose not to go to that school because you didn't like him, and yeah. then now he pops up on your campus, and it's like oh well. Good yeah, luck. Th that's the weird thing to me is now like you just have you have so many guys who just signed, and now the, I mean in most cases the position coach is the one recruiting the yeah, most. Definitely. Like when you go back, go back and look at like South Carolina's. 
uh, social any of their social media pages. Look at every receiver they recruited. McClendon's going to be in a picture. Look at the D lineman they recruited. Scott's going to be in that in that picture with Muschamp at the at the home on the phone visit. Uh, Thomas Brown is going to be in pictures of running backs when they go home visits. Um, and it's just you get these guys here, and the first thing you do to them is peace. See ya. Good luck. It's a very Alabama-ish kind of move. It, I would think it's like, snaky. Yeah, I would think it's like literally like it's like you're trusting. It's kind of like, huh? Okay, yeah. something. This ain't all that I was paying up to be that recruiting process. They showed me all the good things. Okay, the first thing that happened, they kind of they don't break my trust, but it's kind of like, oh. And that was right after National Signing Day too. And it's like they know that probably could have cost me to go to a different school, but we're gonna hold off on that. So I wonder how transparent uh, Muschamp was with recruits about this. Excellent question. Because I. Like I said, I think he's known this for a while. I don't think you don't announce three guys in the same day. It doesn't. They don't. They didn't all magically wake up or get all magically get called Saturday night from you know each Penn State, the Rams, and Steelers, and say, go to my champ and say, hey coach, like I just got this call. And th- this all didn't happen within thirty minutes of each other. A hundred percent. This happened way beforehand, and these three moves were made, and Muschamp probably talked to them in or asked them as a favor to stay throughout the recruiting process and said, hey, we'll announce it, you know, the Sunday after. We'll do a little Sunday morning news dump. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. And it's Sunday morning, too, like pretty early, as a matter of fact, as well. So, I don't know. Like I said, if I'm a recruit getting on campus, it's like you you it's like you kind of walk on campus, and now you have your eyes, like, kind of squinting a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, let's see how I, this thing I'm goes. interested to see if anyone tries to transfer out of South Carolina now, if yeah. any names get dropped in the portal. Um, oh, speaking of the portal, I, I don't think we mentioned this the other day, but I, I know I was talking to Brendan about it. Um, Fuente at, at Virginia Tech just yeah. made a team rule where if you put your name in the transfer portal, Ain't no you coming are not back. coming back to Virginia Tech, and I like it. How you feel about it? I like it a lot. I yeah. like it a lot because if you if you as an athlete decide you want to transfer, I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah. But if you decide you want to leave, if you decide you want to see where your other options are, Fine, you don't need to come back here. If you if you're second guessing <laughs> me that much, you go you go do whatever you need to do. Wish you the best of luck, but you're never coming back here. I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. As a matter of fact, when I was at Clemson, I there was a lot. I, I don't think the portal. I think those guys were just transferring. I was shocked that when guys, let's say you decide you're transferring in uh, December, or November, whenever the case is, they still let the guys use the facilities until like that following spring. Yeah, obviously. that's crazy. I was like, what? No, get them out of here. But at the same time, I didn't really understand all about like paid time off and stuff. So maybe I'm not the best person about this. Yeah. But yeah, I, no, I'm not letting you use my stuff so you can go help another team be great. Exactly. No, yeah. there's a gold gym out there. Planet Fitness, put <laughs> two and two together, and make it I, I like that. I mean, I think if you put your name in the transfer portal, it's fine. You know, good luck to you. Like, if I'm the head coach of a football team, I've been here for five years, um, and you come up to me and say, "Hey, coach, I'm I'm gonna put my name in the transfer portal, and see what happens." All right, best of luck to you, son. We'll so, we'll hope to see you down the road. All your access are revoked from all team, <laughs> all team me- facilities, meeting rooms, practice fields, gyms. I don't want to see you wearing our shirts. I don't want to see you wearing <laughs> our shoes. I don't want to see any of it because you decided to go weigh your options somewhere else, which is fine. That's all up to you. But don't come back to me yeah. saying, like, you need me now that when you just told me you don't need me. Yeah. You don't want me. So you don't, you don't want me and you don't need me or you do want me and you do need me. Like, it's, you're either in or you're out. It's so a big make a decision. And if you make that decision, it's that's fair. That's completely fair. It's up to you. Your decision as an athlete. I like that we have the transfer portal because we're finally giving athletes a little bit of power so where they're not stuck when something happens like is happening right now in South Carolina 
where you see three coaches leave in, on the same day, and they're like, crap, like the guy who just recruited me, the whole reason I went to the school is now gone, yeah. and now I'm just here. I would have went somewhere else where I like that guy just as much who said he's going to be there for the next three years, but this guy convinced me to come here. That athlete should be able to put his name in the portal and go somewhere else to make him, make, to make him happy. But if you decide to go put your name in the portal, don't come back to where you <laughs> said you like you weren't going to go. So like, if you put your name in the portal, it's a big step. You better make sure you're ready because you're not coming back. I kind of like that rule at, the, at Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's one of those big boy decisions. And it kind of just one of those things where it's like your actions have consequences. Like you can't, in life, you can't just go back on everything. Also, don't know if you saw the article, but it's looking like, uh, I guess, Helensky, whatever injury he has, he's good because I think I saw him in the weightlifting video. Yeah, but he, the other, he is good. But the other quarterback, he will not be participating in the spring. Doty? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he tore what? ACL? I think ACL? his third one or something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. so which I, I like. I've, I think we talked about this a while ago. I think best case scenario is Holinsky gets a lot better in the spring and Doty sits a year and you figure it out between Dak and Holinsky for your quarterback in 2020. And then you have Doty come in 2021, still four years of eligibility left, and let him roll and see what happens. Now you have Doty enter the Holinsky, Dak will still probably be here race. Uh, you know, Holinsky's going into his junior year. Yeah, and Colin Hill was the one also that I was saying. He, he's not participating, Colorado I'm pretty State. sure. And, uh, yeah, he's not participating at all in the spring. So that's a Colorado State transfer. Yep. Um, all right, we're going to step, we're going to move away from the coaching staff here at South Carolina. That was just crazy news. I, that shocked me. Loved it. Uh, Mark D'Antonio this past week stepped down from Michigan State. Quit less than 24 hours before National Signing Day. This is this is <laughs> big time, big, big, big time, I'm guilty you caught me red-handed thing. Yeah. So he gets, all right, did you read into this a lot? I looked into it a little bit. I heard that he just two weeks ago, he received a longevity bonus from the university. Yeah, all also, right, so stop, we'll stop, stop right there for just a second. Okay. So the way his contract contract worked out is if he stayed through January 15th, 2020, I think it was the 15th, one of the 14th, right in the middle of January, he got an extra, like, I don't know, a couple million dollars. Yeah. Uh, so he gets that in January. And then go on, what do you, what is, that's the next thing you found? Well, the decision, well, you talking about two weeks after receiving the bonus, and then the next, I was going to say, a decision to step down comes at an interesting time. There's something that happened right before that. What? He's get, he got sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you're. That's where you're going. So five million dollars in damages for wrongful termination. The complaint uh, came by Curtis Blackwell, who was a former smart staffer. Uh, Blackwell alleged that D'Antonio, who spent the last thirteen years in Michigan State, committed multiple NCAA recruiting violations. Yeah. So he. Um, it was. Tell me his name again. Was it Blackwell? Uh, Curtis Blackwell. Yeah. So he gets fired or whatever. Sues for wrongful termination and then says that D'Antonio has just been recruiting. Uh, <laughs> committing major recruiting <laughs> violations. <laughs> and then on the surface, you're like, all right, this guy's just pissed off because he got let go. And D'Antonio was put in the position, he's like, oh, crap, now i got to retire because I'm guilty. So Michigan State is like just bombs away. Like you got to, like, that is just the most, <laughs> you cannot be easier for the NCAA to step in and be like, all right, well, here's your, yeah. uh, you know, Here's what you're gonna get. You can't play football for the next 85 years because you had recruiting violations. Um, yeah, that that is just. It was weird. What was funnier <laughs> is that he's like D'Antonio said, "I'm stepping away from football to spend more time with my family." Yeah. This is just the old Urban Meyer trick. Yeah. This definitely. is the, this is the Urban. Go back and look at the things that or how Urban left places, 
And if you <laughs> if the NCAA had done a little digging, I'm sure they would find similar to things as what they're going to find with D'Antonio if they actually dig on it. I don't know what you can do now. D'Antonio's t- he actually took an advisory role with Michigan State, so he's still there. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what he's doing there, but he's not coaching football, but he's still in some advisory role, which is weird to me, too. Why would you have this guy? He's literally retiring because he knows he got caught, and now you're going to give him another role? I was listening to Paul Feinbaum talk about it the other day, and he was just letting him have it, which is Mark D'Antonio, by the way. He's a he's a former Gamecock. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, D'Antonio's had really good teams at Michigan State, so I, like, I've loved watching his teams play there. Classic, like, Big Ten defense, like, Built on defense, and they've but they've gotten to the playoff and they get smashed. So Not Alabama, that's whenever they had Calvin Ridley. But you know, Michigan State always got something going on over there. Yeah, Every time I watch weird. the game, it's like yeah, something right. And then also their stadium that was designed is like Spartan Stadium. Yeah, it's like the field is very close to the bleachers or something yep. like that. And I just always thought that was kind of weird. Also, Le'Veon Bell played there. Yeah, it's Michigan State's got a great football like history and with D'Antonio, like he's yeah. had really really good teams there. Um, but, I mean, the whole thing with him getting sued and be like, ah, I'm going to go spend some time with my family. I'll retire. After you just got $4 million or whatever it was, it, it is, I can't wait to see what comes out of that. I don't know if anything will because he, like, he kind of just said, you caught me, I quit. Now you can't punish me. I already, uh-huh. got, my, I already got my check. Like, he's going to get his money from Michigan State um, because it's written into his contract, so they can't get out of it unless they do find that if Michigan State actually gets sanctions handed down on them by the NCAA, I'm sure they would try to find something in that contract to where they say we're not going to pay D'Antonio. But I hope that the NCAA doesn't, like, ruin the kids, like, the kids who are there, their experience. Yeah. Uh, because if you ban this team from bowl season or whatever next year, like, now if they recreate this coaching staff, they get all, they need to, they wipe the slate clean on the coaching staff part. Like, who are you punishing? You're punishing a bunch of people who didn't, commit the crimes he got out just in time yeah he did that that's the messed up thing about college football is when a coach commits major recruiting violations they can just step away and get off scot-free half the time yeah which is which is bs but what do you do to stop that i mean there's not much you can do um south carolina basketball we're gonna move on from d'antonio and his weirdness south carolina basketball just crushed texas a&m saturday another 20 point victory i think it was 74 54 something like that yeah so beat him by 20 like twice this year now yeah, I didn't even get to uh, check out the game, but I did. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, like I watched like the last 10 minutes of the first half. Uh, but, yeah, there's six in the SEC now. So they're getting, like, close. I was reading a bunch of, like, bracketology stuff this morning. Uh, and, like, uh, um, God, what's the Cats guy? You know what I'm talking about, right? The Cats guy that, that does all the – he works for CBS. Well, real quick, final score was 54 to 74. Okay. Yeah, and Joe Lenardi from ESPN. I, I was just reading all the, the bracketology stuff for ESPN, and they're not really there yet in as far as the tournament and, like, bubble stuff, but, like, a few more wins like this. The Ole Miss, went, uh, the Ole Miss loss really hurt them last week. They play Georgia on Wednesday. That's an opportunity for a big, big win. They play at Georgia, and they have Tennessee. SEC matchup. Yep, Tennessee at home next Saturday. They're sixth in the SEC, so they're right behind all the teams that are going to the tournament from the SEC. Um, they're going to have to play, finish out a good season and have a good SEC tournament to get in. But, I, I mean, I think they're they're a good team. Like, this is one of the better teams. I mean, probably the best team since the Final Four. Like, they're they actually, like, they're having, they're falling over themselves in certain spots. But as the season has progressed, like, there is a little bit of growth and they're not, it's not classic, like, South Carolina basketball where you have, 
two games really good and two games really really bad. Yeah. They're they are they've had a step back or two, but they've won like I don't know five of their six of their last eight, I think. So they're on a pretty good little stretch right now. This year has really helped uh, Frank Mart with his job situation. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Because uh, I, I think at the beginning of the season, especially after Frank um, in South Carolina lost to Boston in early in the season, <laughs> Stetson, and Stetson, Boston, it, those yeah, ones. those losses. He was really on the hot seat. He's kind of regained from that in the SEC. Uh, women's basketball, by the way, plays UConn Monday. So today is tonight. As you're listening to this, uh, number number one South Carolina versus number four. UConn, they sold out Colonial Life. They finally started advertising the whole thing to the students because now on the South Carolina Rewards Twitter account, so you know they always put out a cool video. Uh, shout out to Alex Grant. I think he's over there. But anyway, so everybody's looking forward to it, I'm sure. The USC is 22-1, and 10-0 and in the SEC. Uh, number four, UConn is 20-2 and and 10-0 and in the American Conference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, this is a big matchup. I mean, I think this, this is probably the first time that South Carolina's ever been ranked higher than UConn when they played. So. Uh, and they, like, this would be a huge, huge, this would probably be, it's tough to say that this game is bigger than the national championship as far as, like, big wins for that program, but, I mean, they played Mississippi, they weren't going to beat UConn that year. Mississippi State beat UConn in the Final Four, and then they just, they in the semifinal in South Carolina, had the benefit of never having to play UConn in yeah. the playoff, and they Smoked Mississippi State. Uh, but, yeah, now playing like UConn, this would be a monumental win for the program if you can beat UConn. Yeah, so, and they're beatable this year because they've lost. I mean, but South Carolina does have to play. I watched their game against uh, Mississippi State a couple weeks ago, and that was a close call. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to have to – I mean, they're going to have to have the best game of their year so far. Yeah, you're going to have to play your best game, not to mention they have the home support behind them. Probably, like you said, sold out be a packed stadium, their home court. I saw uh, – Coach Bobo, uh, the new offensive coordinator for South Carolina yeah. football, tweeting at Zach Cook the other day. Um, you know, did you see that? No, I see it. He was tweeting, we, we could always use an athlete in game college football. <laughs> so, yeah, they're getting a little traction around campus, which is good. I mean, they always have – they're consistently the best team on campus year in, year out. Definitely. Um, speaking of teams on campus, I went out Friday and watched a little South Carolina lacrosse. Freezing cold. <laughs> Freezing cold. So the club across team here at South Carolina is ranked number one. They're the defending like SELC or what is it, MALC or something? MSCLA. MSCLA, uh, club national champions. Who else do they play? What's for close? Lacrosse. They played Georgia um, Friday. They played Florida today. Uh, they have like a weird, so their conference, I know I looked at this last year, it's like a combination of teams in the SEC, and, and then there's a few weird ones like West Virginia, um, and I think a school from further west. But, yeah, it was, I don't know much about lacrosse, but I went. I mean, it's fun. Uh, and really good atmosphere for a sport. Like, there was a lot of support for the, for the lacrosse team. And there is, like, a growing lacrosse support here on campus. I think there are a lot of kids from up north who come to South Carolina. I think the, the ratio here, like, in-state, out-of-state is, like, 50-50 almost. Yeah. And a lot of those kids are coming from up north where lacrosse is a thing. And now that it's growing here at South Carolina, like, they are actually doing very well for the team. Like, their team has is starting to, like, gain traction a lot on campus. Because I remember, like, them having a team freshman year when I was here five years ago, yeah. six years ago. But now, like, 
there is like South Carolina crossing. Like you know, like every kids on campus know, like all right, lacrosse teams like actually good at lacrosse. Yeah, I've always seen the book bags and things of that nature, but now the team's established. Where do they play it? They play on was it Bluff Fields Road? It's right across the street. There's the old football practice facility. Okay. Right across the street from Bojangles on Bluff Road. Gotcha. And we gotta get a guest on to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. We have some connections with the lacrosse with the lacrosse team, so we'll get someone on this year. That's definitely we'll talk about that. Yeah, uh, but two big wins for them this weekend. So if you're in Columbia, look up. I think it's at Cox Across on Twitter. See when their next game is go because it's it is a good time. They, Freezing uh, cold Friday night. Though. They play Alabama next weekend. Play Alabama next Friday. Yeah, I think Friday or Saturday. Okay. Um, back to basketball. Did you watch Duke UNC? I did not. So Duke UNC, for the last I don't know how many years now. Every time they play, there's always the last hundred meetings graphic. And it's always, like, the exact same amount of wins for each team. And this time it was, like, in the last 100 meetings going into, yes, Saturday's game, Duke had 150, UNC had 150, and they had the exact amount of points. Like, the exact same amount of points over those 100 games. So that shows you, like, how close this rivalry always is. UNC is having an abysmal year. I think they're on track for their worst year ever. Yeah, looking at the records, I was like, I did not expect this game to be nearly as close as it was. I felt like Duke was going to come here and kind of knock this thing out the park. I mean, that's just like rivalry basketball. It's like Duke-UNC rivalry basketball. So UNC takes Duke to overtime. Yep. Or actually, Duke kind of took UNC to overtime because UNC was up uh, late. Twice was up late. One time in overtime, they were up 96-91 in the reg- and, uh, regular play. They were up 83-79 with 15.8 seconds to go. Yeah, they kind of they kind of blew it. And then I got home. I was driving during the game. I get home. I turn on the TV, uh, and there's 30 seconds left in overtime. So I was like, oh, perfect. So they're tied. And UNC goes to inbound the ball at the last second. They're up two, and they get a no – like a no – a, a terrible job at inbounding the ball. B, a really bad no call from the refs. Like, they should have gotten free throws. They don't get free throws. The ball goes out of bounds. Duke gets the ball. And Duke should, hits a buzzer beater uh, right at the buzzer. I think they had five or six seconds left. So they had time, you know, to get the ball in uh, into the post and, or into the paint and score. And then, I mean, Duke or UNC just kind of watched the, the, like, the <laughs> team just fall apart there at the end. Yeah, did you see the uh, thing that when Trey Jones threw the ball off of the in, – in the end of regulation, he threw the ball off of uh, – on a free throw off the rim and got it back? I've seen hundreds of guys try that. Nobody ever gets it to work. No, he, I didn't see that. He throws it off the rim because it's a free throw because he yeah. wants the ball back. Then not only does he do it, it kind of comes back almost in his direction. He kind of takes from another guy, and he hits the shot, and that put Two him in overtime. It's crazy. I was like, what? But Trey Jones had a great night. I think you all, y'all Coach, said Yeah, that. Coach K said he, that, like, that kid is the reason we won the game. So it's really great that he ended up coming back for the team. He ended up having, he played 42 minutes, a lot of minutes, uh, five rebounds, look at that, six assists, and 28 points. So big night for the guard. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a pretty big night for a college basketball player. The one who ended up uh, hitting the putback, that was Wendell Moore. He is uh, he had 10 rebounds, two assists, and 17 points. He is from Charlotte, North Carolina, so you know he knew how big of a game this was. That's probably great for him. I'm sure his high school is celebrating him. Yeah. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about today, I think the last thing, I don't think we have anything else on the, on the docket, um, the XFL. Vince McMahon. Have you, did you watch any of the XFL, this the XFL's opening weekend? I missed Saturday's game. I watched a little bit of Houston and LA. But I watched a good day Sundays today. Yeah. So when was Houston and LA? Was that, that was, Saturday night? No, it was like around, maybe like 5, 6 o'clock. Okay. okay. Um, what did you think of it? Love it. 
You He's got him? a positive reaction. Seems like for the most part, I hate the kickoffs. I I do not like that at all. That's confusing. I haven't seen the kickoffs. I've just I haven't seen the kickoff live yet. When I turned the game on today, they were already like two minutes in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was Seattle and New York, and that I was watching today. Just like from the videos I've seen on Twitter, I have no clue what's going on. <laughs> I like it. You see a lot of guys that I haven't heard from in a little while. And also, the journalism is a big part of this game. Like, you get guys getting interviews, like, all the time. Sometimes these guys are a little bit rougher here around the edges. But, yeah, it's it's different. I like, like I said, I, and also I just like having football around. Hopefully it gains, like, more because right now you can see the stadiums, like, the upper portions are kind of empty. Hopefully through time it'll start to build up. Yeah, I. so I'm curious to see how much – how long this is going to last. Um, <laughs> I don't like... They have a lot of good ideas, but so did the Alliance... What is it? The American Alliance of Football. It, they started off the AAF. They started off terrible because their name, their league name sucks. Yeah. Um, so that's a branding issue from the top down. But they did have Steve Spurrier, so... Uh, and Steve Spurrier, self-proclaimed AAF champion. Um, and they ordered rings for that team. <laughs> Where they at? Orlando. Uh, which, of course, I mean, I love Spurrier. I was rooting for his team. Like, they had Elliot Fry on that team. Uh, he had a few connections he brought back with him. Spurrier, I mean, he killed it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in the, in the XFL, the difference is, A, there is a little bit of, like, a nostalgia period for guys who were, like, 30 or so. The, that, that crowd, that tw- I would say probably 28, 27, 28 to, like, 38, maybe 40. Who watched the XFL the first time it, it hit? Yeah. Like, and what was that around two thousand or something? Um, and remember that, and remember the craziness of it. Now it's a little cleaned up. It's a, it's more cleaned up than the old XFL, and it's something to watch. That's football to watch in a time where February is tough for sports because outside of like college basketball is heating up. Like you're getting right to it's in the last two weeks of February. Like That's you're really crazy. March Madness ain't too far away. Yeah, you gotta get you try to gotta try to get into the tournament. And, and but other than college basketball, there's not a whole lot going on that's like that important. I mean, you get spring training starting, but no one really cares about spring training. I do, but I mean I'm ex- I'm su- I get super excited for spring training to start and you're like, all right, well it's spring training, so they're literally just throwing balls around the field in Florida. And then you have, like, the NBA is getting hot, but they still have to go all the way to, you know, April before they get to That's the playoffs. So they've still got a long time. Um, they've still got another, like, two months before they even, like, really get to the crunch time versus where college basketball right now is their crunch time. Uh, but outside of basketball, like, there's nothing going on. So it's a good time for football. And it's kind of, it's relaxed. I like, I put, I wrote down a few of the things I did like about it. I loved hearing the replay booth talk to the officials. Yeah, yeah. So you actually understand, like, there's clarity as, as a fan of what the replay official is seeing, and you think he's actually working. Because in the NFL and in college uh, football, we never see that. So it feels like, a lot of times it just feels like you get this natural feeling as a fan, like, ah, oh, they're just trying to screw me over. Yeah. So so it's cool to, like, see those guys, like, working and just trying to figure out a good answer and seeing what their thought process is. Versus having, like, I hate these rules analysts, Mike Pereira and whoever else, yeah, like, yeah, they have all those guys in. Like, I hate those guys because they're trying to explain to me what the rules, what that guy is doing, the the replay official is doing. Why can't you just show me the replay guy? And, like, it's not going to hurt for you to show me the replay guy. It's not going to affect anything else. 
Like, I would like to see what he's thinking because he's having a conversation with the ref on the field to try to figure out a situation with the play. And it's it's nice to see the transparency that the XFL is allowing there. Um, it kind of takes out the middleman, I guess you it could does. say. Yeah, it does. And I hate the rules analysts because they're just explaining, like, a lot of times they're just reiterating whatever the color guy just said because it doesn't <laughs> take an... Like it doesn't take a genius to figure out kind of what the what the um, the the replay guy is doing thinking. Like Tony Romo can tell me what he's doing. Yeah. I don't need I don't need you know pick your rules analyst expert, to tell me. Yeah. Uh, but I like seeing like that that thought process. Another thing I like hearing the play calls is weird. Because they have, like, everyone mic'd up. So, and then they don't have just the quarterbacks mic'd up. Like, they got the tight ends mic'd up. They got the receivers. So they can hear the play call direct from their coach to themselves, like, in their headset. But also, you as the viewer get to see the play call a lot of the time. That That's weird to me. Yeah. Because I, now I can go watch tape and see you called that play. Now I know what that play that, is. That's exactly, like, when I heard it, because I was kind of doing something. I heard it. I was like, did he just, did they purposely, you know, maybe sometimes in the NFL you have something mess up. You hear a curse where you probably weren't supposed to hear because yep. the mic didn't get cut off. But I know, like, seals left, 363, on two, on two, ready. I was like, what is this? So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's definitely more entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's Vince McMahon. It's, it's entertainment to a T. Speaking of Vince McMahon, he is expected that he'll lose approximately $350 million over the first three years, and he <laughs> lost roughly $35 million when the first XFL <laughs> folded. So we are hoping that his pockets are safe. Yeah, I mean, McMahon's he's good enough to lose three fifty and keep yeah. moving. So, I mean, he's one of, one of the richest guys in, in the U.S. now, I think. I mean, he's, he's got to be up there. It's a tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's an entertainment, like, genius. Yeah, definitely. Like, you look at the WWE and all, like, Everything in wrestling he's ever done, like, for the people who love, like, he sees a niche, and he sees a crowd who kind of likes it, and he'll take it and just blow it out of the water and suck every dollar he can out of you. And, like, and the people, like, who like it love it. Like, he builds a loyal, loyal fan base. Yeah, even sustained, even, like, it's been a long time. It's hard to sustain that much success. Also, it's nice to see, like, Cardell Jones. I know he had a, threw a touchdown, like, a trick play, I'm pretty sure. I saw Aaron Murray playing today, too. Somebody he said, still sucks. Somebody said Aaron Murray's going to be the one guy to, like, lose three starting jobs or something. They said something <laughs> wild on Twitter. I was like, what are y'all talking about? Because his uh, name was trending on Twitter. So yeah, Aaron, I saw that. Did, have you seen he's been doing this thing on Instagram? You know what I want? I would, I would love to, for him to come back and have to play an NFL backup game against Clowney yeah. again. Because, I mean, I, I really think Clowney just actually hates him. Yeah, I think so, too. Because we played, we sacked him, what, five and a half times in Athens that year? It's ridiculous. It's like between him and Taj Boyd, it's like Clowney enjoys seeing these guys. Yeah, yeah like he absolutely hated, hated the two of them. Yeah, so uh, Aaron Murray. On the Murray's, field, anyway. Yeah, so Aaron Murray's been doing campus lore, this thing on Instagram, where they go back and tell, like, the guy's story, uh, like, that, and they're now in the NFL about what they were doing in college yeah. and uh, stuff like that. So I guess he's uh, I don't need to, to see any more Aaron Murray. I'm all set on him. <laughs> so you good off of him. I'm, I'm good on Aaron Murray. Um, but, he, I mean, still pretty much stinks. G.A. Mangus is, I did not know this, and I was watching the New York-Seattle game today. G.A. Mangus is the quarterback's coach and play caller for... Uh, the New York team. G.A. Yeah. Mangus was a quarterback's coach here at South Carolina for a long time under Steve Yeah. Uh, he was the one guy that I thought would have helped Muschamp a lot had Muschamp tried to keep him here at South Carolina when he came in. Um, he did not because he had other guys he was going to. He had Kurt Roper at the time. Um, G.A. has been at some school up north in Massachusetts, I think, with 
Um, Delaware Valley, too, right? I, I can't remember. I don't remember the name of the school. GA's been coaching a very, very small college. Yeah, that's what it was, Delaware Valley. Okay, and I've kept up with him for a little bit. Um and he's had, like, I mean, I guess he's doing okay. Like, he was a very good quarterbacks coach, I thought. Like, he had Connor Shaw, Dylan Thompson. He eventually got Steven Garcia to show up wearing something other than Crocs to practice. So, credit to him. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a hard thing to do. Like, I love GA. I thought he was great here at South Carolina. I don't think a lot of people share the same thought with me, but I always thought, like, he did a very good job. So, it was cool to see GA, like, actually In his own doing way. something cool. Yeah, and GA's around all the time at Columbia. Yeah, like, I remember seeing his face. I used to come to the practice. I used to see him chewing out guys. So it was like, oh, it's nice to see you. I, I also, I have him on LinkedIn. Well, GA's just around, like, in, in the community. Like, I used to see GA in the grocery store, like, I don't know, like, once a month. <laughs> him and his wife, and, and he's got, I think, two little kids. So yeah. it's what we're used to saying. No, I have him on LinkedIn. I saw he had gotten a job uh, with the XFL, and I was like, oh, and then I think I heard about it a little bit more. And I was like, oh, that's what he's doing out there. So yeah, good the for GA. It's good to see GA in the spotlight again. I thought he would have been back in major college football somewhere by now. I know. Right? I mean, hell, must champion. He should give him a call. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he's got Bowen now. I like the ref. I, the other thing that they have I think needs to translate is they have one ref dedicated to spotting the ball. So yeah. it happens quick. Because you see sometimes. You need that. Football is evolving every single day, and the NFL and college aren't making rules changes like that yeah. to evolve with the game. But the XFL is doing something like that to speed it up. Yeah, because a lot of times this fast-paced game, because, you know, when we first started, everybody's huddling. Now a lot of times guys aren't even huddling. They're just looking to the sideline and getting in place. And so you saw, I think it was in the NFL, the guy just moves the ball to where he wants it to be, and the referee kind of touches it and puts yep. it back down. It's like you can't have that. So definitely some things to take from old Vince McMahon and his staff. Absolutely. So am I going to watch the XFL every week? Probably not. I might turn it on for a little bit here and there. Am I really going to care? No, not really. I don't really care who wins. These, like these teams... You can't beat the NFL with teams who have been around for 70, 80, 90 years. A lot of billionaires, too. And the same with college football. Like The the loyalty is not going to be there for another, I don't know, at least five or ten years if the XFL keeps going. Um, Prediction, do you think it makes it? uh, Yeah, I think there is a weird spot for it. I think it at least makes it to a second season. Um, I don't think they'll shut down. Like I think McMahon will figure it out and, and his team. like They put a lot of effort into making sure that the XFL works this time around. Um, like I think it'll make it at least another year, so and I hope it does because it's a good experimental league for football. Like we have the Canadian Football League, but no one in the U.S. like watches that really. Only person um, who watches that I know is Chris Carr. That's because of Sun Bless. Yeah, yeah, that's about that's about it. And then like you need a developmental league, but I think more so for football, like not for fo- not for football players, the NFL and. NCAA football, like major football, needs an experimental league with things like the ref thing. Yeah. Like they need, because baseball does this with minor leagues, right? You see these weird minor league uh, rules now all the time. They like they go to the 10th inning, they start with a man on second base and single A. So, because they're all trying to do things to make the game quicker, better, whatever, and they have a league where they can experiment and see how it works before they bring it up to the professional level, like the big time level. And football needs something like that. I mean, the game of Canadian football is just so different yeah. that it's hard to do those things with. But in the X and the American viewer cannot see it work as well. But if the XFL can do something like this and execute it and, and keep making it happen and the fans love it, I think eventually it'll translate to major football, as in you know national college football, 
in uh, NFL football. Yeah, and I agree. And as long as uh, fans continue to go out and support and stuff like that, it gives you, like, let's say if you're in one of these major cities just looking for something to do, go check out the XFL game. Yep. All right, so the last thing we did want to say today is we're I, – I don't know if we mentioned this on the air or not. So we're going to watch this Mike Vick 30 for 30. It's it's a two-parter? Yes, yeah, two parts. Okay. Is there another – is there a third part coming out? No, Okay, so it. there's a two-part. The both parts are out now. So watch that sometime this week, and we're going to talk about it on Friday's show. Um and I think it's on ESPN Plus. You can probably find it on Amazon or something, too. But, yeah, and we will talk about that. I, was it good? You watched it already. Yeah, what did you think of it, basically? Give me a minute or two. What'd you I think watched it. It was pretty good. Some things I didn't realize, like, because I wasn't really following Michael Vick as much when he came out. Didn't know he went number one overall. Also didn't know that, like, yeah, how similar him buck, and, Huh? You are a young buck then. Yeah, exactly. I think I was looking at more receivers and stuff like that. Also, I didn't realize how similar him and Lamar's game were. I actually asked my Uncle Jenny, who's a little bit older, I asked him um, how did he feel like their games were similar. He just felt like Lamar kind of, well, Michael Vick kind of opened the door for the guys like yeah. Lamar Jackson. It was, like, kind of new back then. Nowadays you see it more often. Also, I never really understood all that went on with the dog fighting thing. That's more so discussed in part two. But like, I like because obviously you're younger then, and there was all this social media, so you weren't following the news. But it got pretty bad. They talk about it a lot in part two, so that's something to look forward to. Yeah, uh, I'm interested to watch that. So we'll we'll talk about all that stuff you just mentioned, and I'm sure some more. We'll talk about that on on Friday's show. Um, but until then, thank you, Ben Sound, for the music for our show. Uh, we will follow us. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Uh, Matthew at Matt the Chosen One with the number one. Myself at Tyler Walters CNR. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can get the new one as soon as it drops. Uh, leave a rating and a review, and we'll appreciate that. And if you want any topics or questions discussed on the show, uh, feel free to DM Matthew, myself, or the show account, or just tag us and whatever. Um, and we would love to see that. And I think that's all we got. That's all we got, man. All right. We'll see you Friday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.